um, Matthew chapter 2, that'll be good. Uh, we're going to focus on verses 13 to 23. Great. Well, there's an outline too. If you've got a little bulletin as you came in, there's an outline there. You can follow along. That'll be helpful as well. Uh, well, I, look, I, I want to say again, thank you for coming. Um, I know for some of us, we, we, we've always had a big weekend, uh, well, big last couple of days. We did drive up to Sydney and back yesterday and... Um, uh, that's, that's, you know, this is what we're used to, I suppose, and a lot, of, a lot of us are used to that, go and see family. And when I got home last night, I tell you what, I was pretty tired. Uh, <laughs> but I woke up feeling refreshed and looking forward to today, which is good too. So we've got another family lunch as well. Um, it's a, look, it's a good day when we get to do this. That's a good day. When we get to meet together, to pray together, to encourage one another um, in, in, and as we spur each other on to follow Jesus more and more. That, that's a good day. As we respond in faith, that's a good day. And so um, uh, it's good to be here. I want to pray and ask God to speak to us by his word. We're going to have a short little time in God's word today and then we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the privilege of church. Uh, we do thank you for this uh, particular time of year where we celebrate the birth of your son. We celebrate you coming to us in flesh, you, Lord Jesus, uh, um, the King of Kings, as we've already sung, and so we thank you for your word today. We pray that we would um, we, that that we'd be able to put it into practice in our lives, in trust and dependence on you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, look, um, there are <laughs> there two, there are two schools of thought in regards to travelling on family holidays. Now, I wonder how. I wonder what. Some of you guys are like this. It's usually the men here we're talking about, but maybe not. I'm not quite sure. So the first school of thought says it's about the journey as much as the destination. Uh, these types of people leave when they're ready. They leave when they're ready, you know. They stop to take in the views. They, they take a side street and, and get a cup of coffee. They meet a new friend and they talk to them. Uh, they stop and use the bathroom. They enjoy the journey. But then there's another school of thought. There's another, a, a different type of person, whether this might, I'm not <laughs> quite sure if that helps or not. See, it's all about the destination. So they leave at 4 a.m. They leave at 4 a.m. so they can beat the traffic and get there as soon as possible. Any guilty people so far? Um, they provide all the children with iPads because what's the point of looking out the window? We're not there yet. We're not at the destination. We haven't reached our holiday yet. When asked to have a toilet break, they either pretend they didn't hear the inquiry or simply say, no, you're going to have to hold in. We're making such good time. <laughs> this rings a bell for my father, actually. Maybe me too sometimes. I don't know. Um, I do like to reach the destination. You've got to ask, when we're travelling, when we're, when we're thinking about our journey, a journey we're on, what's the purpose of the journey? What's the purpose of the journey? Is it just to get to the destination, get there, or is it the journey itself and enjoy that? Friends, when, um, when we read of this young family's journey from Bethlehem to Egypt in Matthew chapter 2, that's the question we ought to ask. What's the purpose of the journey? Was it simply safety from Herod's henchmen? Or does Matthew want us to see something different? Let's go to Matthew 2, verse 
verse 13. I've got it up on the screen as well if you don't have a Bible. When they, now that's the Magi, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So pack your bags, grab your family and go now. It sounds like a scene from a Hollywood blockbuster, doesn't it, I reckon? Here's Joseph with his very particular set of skills. Um, uh, flees the country with his family. He's off. So no territory governed by Herod was safe for them. So refugee status in Egypt was the only option. Now, look, the Christmas cards and stories generally like us uh, to think that Egypt was far, far away. I, I guess it is for us and Robertson. It is far, far away, isn't it? That's uh, true. But for Joseph and his wife and family, it would have only taken a few more days for them to get to the Egyptian border than it would for them to go north to Nazareth. In fact, it was probably about a week's journey. Uh, let me tell you that, a week's very nervous journey, considering what's going on and them being hunted down. Very nervous journey. But in Egypt, they would be completely safe from Herod's clutches. Egypt was not one of Herod's territories. He had no jurisdiction there. But let's just pause for a minute, because what, what often happens at this point, well, we can miss the point. We can miss the point of, of why Matthew includes this journey in his gospel. Many pause here and start a conversation about refugees, what it's like being a refugee. Mary, Joseph and, and the baby Jesus, well, the young Jesus, they were refugees. What's that like? Um, and then we pause and we think about refugees and our response to them and all our lack of response to them. Now, don't get me wrong, um, our loving response to the humanitarian refugee crisis across the world is an important response to the gospel. And we, friends, have a responsibility to care and love such people. But Matthew isn't telling us about this journey so we can think about the refugee crisis. That's not the point. We don't want to miss the point. Matthew's real point is to tell us something about Jesus. You see, sometimes it's amazing how easily we miss the point. I want to read you, um, I've actually been reading this little book, and it's been really helpful in the Christmas sermons. Uh, if you were to read it with me, you'd notice that I've stolen a few things from it. But this one, I'm going to be open and honest. Um, <laughs> no, the, uh, I'm going to read you a little section from it, because I like what he writes. It's a really helpful little Advent readings book. And so let me read to you about uh, well, what he says about a little story about missing the point. He says, years ago, during a Sunday evening service, so he's a pastor of a church in the UK, his name's Sinclair Ferguson. So years ago, during a Sunday evening service, about 15 minutes after it had started, an entire troop of visitors entered the gallery and tried to find seats. They were very obviously from somewhere in the Middle East. My immediate thought was that the sermon title on the Trinity had attracted a group of Muslims. But chatting to them afterwards, I discovered that they were Coptic Christians from Egypt. Uh, teachers who had been sponsored to attend a several weeks long in-service course at one of the city's universities. To our delight, they continued to come until their course ended. The presence of so many Egyptian cops 
was an unusual and enriching experience for a Presbyterian church. We had many conversations with our delightful guests, but two stick out, partly because I think they took place on the same evening. In the first conversation, one of the Egyptian friends spoke to me with enthusiasm about the Lord Jesus. In the second conversation, shortly afterwards, another teacher, speaking with no less enthusiasm, asked me if I knew that the Holy Family had visited Egypt. I did, Matthew chapter 2. Well then, my new friend told me, you must visit Egypt to see some of the food the Holy Family had been miraculously, uh, sorry, to see some of the food of the Holy Family that has been miraculously preserved. In a short space of time, these two conversations illustrated to me the difference between a Christ full Christianity and a sentimental one. One man saw bread, one man saw the, life, saw the bread of life in Egypt, the other saw only bread. It's a good little story, great little book. Um, interesting story about missing the point. You see, we mustn't miss Matthew's point. The purpose of the journey, if you like. What's the purpose of the journey? Matthew wants us to see who Jesus is. In fact, that's, of course, the purpose of all the Gospels, isn't it? Matthew wants us to see who Jesus is. The point of the Egyptian exile story is all about Jesus' identity. And the clue comes in verse 15. Once Herod was dead, Jesus would be brought out of Egypt, He'd return home, and therefore fulfill, you can see verse 15, what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Now, you remember that these are the words that we read, Joe read to us just a moment ago, from Hosea chapter 11, a prophet from the 8th century, the north Israel. This Hosea chapter 11 verse 1 reflects on the rescue of God's people, his son Israel. The rescue of God's people, his son Israel, from slavery in Egypt. That's the theme of really of chapter 11 of Hosea. You see, as we read through Matthew's account of this journey, we're meant to notice something. Perhaps we might call it a, a parallel, if you like. That is, between Moses and Jesus. This journey echoes the story told in Genesis and Exodus with Moses. A family goes down to Egypt. A child is rescued from a wicked ruler. He grows up and leads his people out of their slavery. They pass through the waters of the sea. They are tested in the wilderness. They ring a bell. It's meant to. Eventually, they reach the borders of the promised land. See, Matthew wants us to see that these events are like a shadow cast backwards into history from the life of Jesus. And Jesus is the reality. He is the true Israel. He is the true Son of God who was called out of Egypt, who would go through the waters in his baptism in the river of Jordan, who would be tested in the wilderness, and so forth. Matthew is telling his readers that in Jesus, actually in Jesus, a greater exodus has begun. It's almost like strap yourselves in. Read Matthew 2. This is going to be a greater exodus than what Moses had way back when. 
30 years after his uh, journey to Egypt and return, on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, from Luke chapter 9, Jesus would talk with Moses and Elijah about his exodus or about his departure. Let me read these words for you. So in uh, verse 30 there, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem, at the cross. They spoke about his death and resurrection. His true and final exodus, exodus wouldn't be about physically escaping from a nasty pharaoh, or nor would it be about freedom from physical slavery. It would be deliverance from Satan, from the guilt and power and shame of sin. Jesus being taken into Egypt was not simply for his own safety. As Matthew tells us, it was to fill up and to fill out a pattern that God had written into his own people's history to point them forward to the full and to the final exodus that would bring us eternal salvation, to be with Jesus forever. Now, there is no earthly danger or worldly power or spiritual trap that God's people need to fear. To quote Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So when we boil it all down, this story is about, well, it's about the God who saves. It's about that redemption, that freedom we have uh, from slavery, a God who saves. It's about salvation. And this journey that Joseph, Mary and the young Jesus, Jesus took points us to that salvation, what we have in Jesus. It points us to the great exodus that he's taking us on. It points us to our need for salvation, our greatest need, to be saved, to be friends with God, to be forgiven and redeemed. In fact, surely that's the greatest of all journeys, isn't it? That is, God coming to us. Could we say journeying to us? God coming to us in Jesus so that we can be saved. The Apostle Peter said before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I'm going to pray for us, and then um, we're going to share uh, a small meal together, reminding us of, um, of the journey Jesus took to the cross for our sake. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. We thank you for sending Jesus. And we thank you that in him uh, we can look forward to. We're on a great exodus ourselves um, to be with you forever. And we thank you for um, that Jesus went to the cross, that he died and then he rose again to give us life, to forgive us, to make us right with you. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for what we've heard in your word. And may we remember that, that the, the journey that, uh, that you, Lord Jesus, took with your earthly parents that points us to the, the greatest journey of all, us, um, you going to the cross so that we, can, might, we might be saved. In Jesus' name, amen.